0: Uh, This week, we sit down with Raul Rodriguez again, who joined us previously on the podcast. Today, we are talking more about his time as a rower, uh, also as a trader on Wall Street, um, and just kind of generally touching on kind of uh, mindset and training attitude. So join us today as we delve into those topics, starting now. Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere the misfit crew at softlead HQ is proud to bring you the die living podcast welcome back to another episode of the die living podcast brought to you as always by softlead This week, we have uh, one of our special guests, Raul Rodriguez, returning. We're glad to have him here. Uh, We filmed some rowing technique videos earlier today. Uh, You'll be able to see those. Actually, those will probably be watchable before you hear this. But uh, anyway, we talked at length when Raul was here last time a lot about his history in rowing, uh, also about his history in the financial business, uh, and Today, we're going to be kind of circling back to both uh, and focusing more on, I would say, mindset, both as an athlete um, and as kind of a risk manager. I think that those are definitely two, two areas that a lot of our listeners have experience um, or want to gain more experience. So, with that being said, Raul, welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you.
1: Well, thank you for having me back, Aaron. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed last time and... Uh... I'm looking forward to it.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, well. This is a pretty cool way that I feel like we don't we don't get to see each other enough. So if this is the excuse that that makes it happen, so be it. We'll do it more often. Um, and joining us as well, Brian, the constant the, fly on the wall, <laughs> the. AV video handyman guy. You
2: can just say nerd, man. It's good. I got <laughs> the I got softly no nerd. All
0: right. I feel like you're more than a nerd because you're able to like build lots of stuff as well. Well, not just not just computer stuff, you know. But uh, I watch YouTube a lot. <laughs> right, you're good with tools. So, anyway, um, yeah, Raúl. I think um, you know. Last time, last time we were here after the podcast we were leaving the building as you we were getting ready to go back to the airport. Um, and you know, one of the things you mentioned to me was you know thinking about your days back in the boathouse and, uh, you know, how you guys were training and, and maybe I'm not even setting this up correctly. So correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, but you made the comment that essentially, you know, when you guys were getting ready to train as a, as a boat crew, um, you know, there may be better rowers out there than you guys, but like no one was going to work harder than you guys. And that was something that you would say, you know, to your teammates as you guys were getting ready to practice. And, um, you know, I think that in, especially in uh, today's, today's world of, of digital memes and, you know, it's like really, really a proliferation of of motivational quotes um, you see like you know on walls and kitchen you know signs that you pick up at target t-shirts it's it's really easy to you know to kind of constantly preach this you know like I'm I don't wanna say I'm a badass but like I'm a hard worker you know never give up like don't quit um, but it's another thing to do that kind of like day in day out and, and keep that momentum up so I'm going to lead off with asking you kind of to expound upon that comment um, where that comes from, and and how you keep that going? <laughs>
1: well, keeping it going, I don't know about that. But what what you're referring to, <clears throat> back when we were training for the Olympics, um, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was quite a long time, I guess, thirty years ago. And um, but for sure, every morning before you know, we in rowing, you know, you, you show up at the boathouse, you take the oars, you know, you warm up a little bit inside, and then. Carried the oars down to the dock, and then you carry the boat down, and and we put the boat. We put the boat in the water, um, and I, I was actually, I was a little bit out of control, you know. But I, I literally would like grab the t-shirt to the guys in the and and I remember saying every time we'd go out and row, and this lasted for like three or four months. Nobody, nobody's working harder than us. Nobody. And and then we just kind of started saying that to our, each other a little bit. And it was really, it was for real. It wasn't like some, you know, sign that you saw somewhere. It was, and, and I don't think I could do that certainly today, tomorrow. In other words, um, it's not something that just happened day one. It was about, working harder today than we worked yesterday and hard. And this is over a period of, of, you know, I mean, over uh, several years, really. And, um, but getting to a level of fitness where you are you know, amongst you know the more fit people in the world and, and then going out every day, twice a day with your buddies in a boat and just
2: wrecking yourself. So there was nothing left. Some of what I think about as people, People think people use the term mental fitness, and I think a lot of that is exactly as you describe: changing your frame of reference to what work really is. You know, if every day you're working a little bit harder, your frame of reference of what hard work is changes. You know, three weeks ago, um, you may look back at a workout you did a month ago and think like, "Man, we were really kind of sandbagging it," which, whereas at the time, you're like, "I'm not sure I could could have worked any harder." It's almost like running, you know, one one week you can do two miles, one week, next week you can do three, next week you can do four, next week you can do 10. And you look back at how much effort it took to do that two, And you think, man, you know, two's easy now I can do 10. And I kind of feel that way when it comes to work ethic is you are ramping it up. You know, at the end, you're getting that little bit of sleep, you're working hard, you're not taking any breaks, you're giving 100% mental effort at all moments. And uh, yeah, like you said, you have to really ramp into that.
1: I think it's two things, you know, I, and I, I think, and you mentioned both. I mean, first of all, uh, well, three maybe, because you know you're absolutely right about um, starting incrementally and you know running two miles, two and a half, three miles, four up up to a certain level. I'm not really talking about volume of work. I'm talking about the quality of the volume of work. In other words, you know, back when back when I rode. Um, we used to have, I was in Philadelphia all the time. And that back then that was where it was really happening. And it was intense and it was intense twice a day, um, all year long. And then, uh, other guys would be training in different locations and would come back to Philadelphia, um, for the real selection. And it was incredible how many of those guys got hurt because they weren't just used to the intensity of the workouts. I mean, they were they were good for a week. They were good for a week and a half, two weeks. But you know, by the third you're saying week, the guys would come back. Oh to yeah, yeah, some some guys would trade it off site <clears throat> and then come back, um, kind of spring summer mm-hmm. um, when the boats were actually being selected and then, and participate in the selection process. And very talented guys. But you know, a lot of them got hurt when they came back because they just weren't used to the you know the the in super intensity twice a day.
0: You know, and they would just catch up to them and. Their bodies would fail. So, I mean, you know, walk me through this. Maybe this is like a naive question or, you know, or even cliche, but like you're talking about these super intense workouts twice a day. I mean, there must have been days where after the first one, you know, you go home, you take a nap or you eat lunch and, you know, you just don't want to go back, right? Like maybe you don't, maybe well, you want to go back or you're just feeling, you know, you're feeling shitty when you go back or you're not feeling hundred percent, you know, like what is it? that you're, you know, w- was driving you or that you're tapping into to kind of, to kind of give that hundred percent. It never it, even
1: really know. occurred to me not, you know, to miss a workout mm-hmm. because I didn't feel like it. Like that just wasn't part of it. I mean, I, was, I wasn't, just wasn't on the agenda. It's a lot different, you know, I mean, you know, as when you're like today, I still work out quite a bit. Um, but it's much more leisurely, and you're right, I might not feel like getting up tomorrow morning and um and working out, and I won't. But back then, that never happened once. I right. never missed a single workout ever. You know, now that doesn't mean that we train twice a day every day. Sure. But it was kind of really kind of, it would end up being like three workouts in two days or, um you know, five, uh, five workouts in three days or that type of thing. Right. It was rare um, that we would work out, you know, 13 times in a week. That, sure, That was unusual. It did happen, but that was really unusual. And that's not to say that every workout was the same level of intensity at all. Mm-hmm. But what I was alluding to before is is guys who ne- who aren't necessarily there were doing the workout on their own or with another guy. Um, it's just not the same as doing a workout in a group of, you know, with five boats on the water. And they're doing the workout and they're racing each other at the same time. And that just ups the intensity and – uh because everything's observed, you know, and and um, but I think it's what I was saying before is two or threefold. The, the beginning is, you know, getting sort of the capacity to be able to do the workout, mm-hmm. you know, which is a big thing, and uh, and then and then the intensity of those workouts is being noshed up. You're not any more capacity. It's just you're doing. You're just generating more, you're, expend, you're expending more energy
0: in the workout. So is then, the, what Is that happens more is, of a mental thing, are you well, saying? Well, that's the
1: other thing I was saying. This, and then the third component is the mental aspect. I mean, you got to be mentally tough, you know, and, and you're not mentally tough day one. One of the guys I used to row with, uh, Jack Rusher, used to always say they are trying to take away what is rightfully ours. And that's the way we approach it. Man. These, like, we're, we're going to go race the East Germans. And that, you know, they're, t- they're trying to take away what's ours. And that was, was sort of the energy that we had approaching every workout. Like, we're going to go out there. We're going to wreck ourselves because they're trying to take away what's ours.
0: Yeah. They took it away, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> For the wreck. <record. laughs> and, the, and then they did it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> but I think that. You know that speaks to kind of this, you know, this aggressive kind of team mindset, right? Of uh, well, what I'm
1: saying is it doesn't happen. just can't happen. Like you're not going to wake up tomorrow and say, "Man, I'm going to flip the switch. And it's going to happen." It's not. It's going. You know, you're going to say, "I'm going to go. I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to do my best." So I mean, pe- yeah. yeah, people I'm that just to are- do my best, and then I'm going to come up tomorrow, the, the day after tomorrow, and I'm going to go harder. And that's the sort of, and you have to work in some rest in the whole thing, but it, it that's the sort of intensity.
2: And I guess. Pragmatic approach to it. We had a blog post that was posted a few, I don't know, a few months ago, but it was about the psychology of quitting. And one of the things that it talked about a lot was if you put yourself in the wrong mindset for success, it's very, very difficult to continue on. It's you, the first step you make in that mental journey is important. And it struck me because the thing that your mantra was, we're going to work harder than anybody else out there. We might not be the best, but we're going to work harder. It's a proactive mantra. Whereas I've met a lot of people that their mantra was, I'm never going to quit. And you said, well, quitting wasn't even, that didn't even occur to me, you know? And that's the correct, you know, that's what sets yourself up for, for success. It's really hard to build on a mindset of not quitting. It's much easier to build on a mindset of, Working harder.
1: I, I do think the one big difference here is I was in a group. And when you're in a group, it's a lot more difficult, at least in this group. It was a lot. It was, you know, like I said, never entered my mind. Um, when you're on your own, you know, when you when you you have a job and you're working out, you know, trying to work out five, six times a week, you know, it's that I, I think the whole sort of quitting thing is much easier to enter your psyche than it would. Oh, sure. If but, you're in a you know, intense group. But I
2: think people, I think my point is, is that people use that. It's, I think it's better to couch whatever your personal mantra is in positivity and success rather than the absence of failure.
1: You know what I mean? Well, I don't know. Failure for me was a huge motivator too, you know, yeah. like, you know, you just don't want to disappoint, man. Sure. I mean, not, not, I mean, not, not just yourself, you know, but I mean, um, you have, not, you know, fans, but you know, you have family that are, they want to see you do well and and, and, and you don't want to disappoint. I, I think that, you know, but I, I hear what you're saying, Brian. I agree. I mean, I, I, I'd much rather try to get better than worrying about, you know, doing worse.
0: Right. You know. Well, and it sounds like, uh, you know, what I'm inferring from you is that you have so much respect for the guys in the boat that you're way more concerned about letting them down than you are, you know, about anything that might imply, you know, something for your own performance, uh if that's the right way to put it, I, 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 I mean, I think was, I, I, I didn't look at it like that. I didn't look like letting
1: them down. I'm just, I, I, I just, I needed to work as hard as them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's not like I'm letting them down. I, I, I that never entered my. I, I never occurred to me they
0: would let me down and let them down. Well, not I mean, even for but that, seems second. like there's a circle, right? It's like if you're right. working harder, the it's next, like, the I think, I think next we we're working harder. Not sure. just
1: me. I mean, it I mean, I'm just, I'm. We're a group, we're a team, and it's about all of us, you know, doing it together as a group. And I used to always, you know, I, I, one of the guys I work with, Will Castle, is a great rower. And I, I was talking, you know, uh, this is, I had stopped rowing and been out of rowing for about, I don't know, four or five years. And Willie comes up to me, we were in, living in London, and, and uh, um, I was working out at the gym, and he came by, and I was, I was actually on the rowing machine. <laughs> And uh, which is kind of funny because I always refer to the rowing machine as the loneliest place on the planet. You know, so I'm sitting there just like <laughs> wrecking myself as some has been guy. And Willie, I south and Willie comes over and it's like, man, do you miss it? Or do I miss rowing? And I was like, and I said, well, I don't, you know what? I, I don't miss it. What I real, what, what I miss, what I miss is being a boat with with my buddies and just wrecking myself with them. All of us, just nothing left, you know, just as much output as we could generate for, you know, like a typical workout would be like five times, five minutes. And it, I mean, and it's like, it's a red line, five minutes, rest for five minutes and come back and do it five times. And, um, yeah, it's like the mother of all workouts. And, uh, yeah, I miss that in a great, yeah, I don't miss like hurting myself that much but I miss what I miss is just being in a fast boat. That's, just feels great and everybody just emptying the tank together and then everybody just collapsing everywhere and then getting it together in five minutes and doing it again. That's yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah. Really it, fun. It sounds cool. There's I mean, very few things
2: like sport that can sync a bunch of people's psyches together. You know, it's, it's meditative in a way, Well, not a small way that four or five, six guys, you know, five guys on a basketball team or whatever are just, single purpose only thinking about one thing and that's the same thing and everybody's trying to perform at the best of their abilities to not let anybody else down there's a similar thing in the military you know in a gunfight it's very very similar mindset where you're not on a great team you're not worrying about anybody doing not doing their job because you know everybody's going to do their job and everything seems to it's almost like luck becomes your your mistress because everything that can go right does go right it feels right
1: well i I can't con, you know compare myself to some sort of military gunfight because the our stakes were much less, you know, I mean, seriously, like oh, we're having fun, I don't think yeah we, well i i
2: don't you know mean, I'm think? not trying to compare <laughs> yeah. as far as like whatever the stakes were, I just mean that there's um a lot of our listeners are, are ex military and stuff right I mean that's what I am saying' I'm, we're, I'm
1: playing a game, you guys are doing the real deal, so like you know let's keep it in perspective, but it's know? no less
2: serious to the purpose person doing it at the time. You know, there's not some magic switch that flips when you're doing military stuff versus a, a serious sporting event that's like, oh, well, this is for keeps. So I'm going to, like, give it that extra 5%. Like, that doesn't exist. Yeah, no. What well, yeah, you were given exactly. was the same as someone else's given, you know, so it's the same money. You mindset.
1: know, it starts to be crazy. You know, you're sitting there watching, you know, like uh, like maybe football in the NFL or something, and they're like, well, this they're, they're going to win today because they really got to win. I'm, like, thinking, really? Like… So you're trying to tell me that they only went out there 95% last time. Like, you know, yeah. I, just, so I just don't buy that. I mean, I think that, you know, if you're in it, you're in it to win it. You
0: know? Yeah. No, well, and I I mean, I think uh, as, a, you know, kind of an outside observer, um, you know, a lot of the personality traits that you're talking about are the same <laughs> types of personality traits that, you know, I have seen. I think that, you know, Brian could speak to as far as, you know, what are the types of guys that get selected into like special operations units or, you know, these kind of a type personality like very competitive you know driven athletes and i think on the on the mental level or you know even just in terms of on in training uh not necessarily like in a combat scenario um that you know what you have is basically the same same exact type of person in just a different situation i don't brian if you would agree with that or not Um, No, absolutely you know one of the things that's
1: really nice i think in Aaron and I were talking about this earlier today a little bit. Um, like, rowing is such a thankless, brutal um, endeavor. And, uh, and it just really has, uh, there are such good guys who do it. I mean, the guys who hang around her in it, her in it, you know, at that intensity day after day, with no, you know, I mean, they're just chasing their dreams. Yeah, and, it's not an um, ego thing. You know, I mean, it's not exactly. There's, there's a, so you end up with a group of guys with a whole, not a whole lot of ego, and uh, and certainly, you know, we always say the jerks. They just they quit. They quit a while ago. You know, they're why do you think what do you think that want gonna well, think is because it because it's because it eliminates ego, and and I think that a lot of times that the, the guys who, who maybe are wired differently or not as desirably for the endeavor. Um, it just doesn't speak to them and they end up doing something different, you know? Right. And uh, so you end up with a, just, just a boathouse, just full of really good guys and uh, all <clears throat> moving in the same direction. It, it's, it's really awesome.
0: Well, I think in that part of that speaks to, I guess almost anything that's difficult. Um, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of like on the trading floor, like the guys that would show up, you well, know, there was it's lot like, of ego there. <laughs> there, there was a, a lot different of ego there. Group, different, different group of dudes. There. Sure. But uh, <laughs> there was still a lot of ego that ended up, getting kind of like selected out of the process. You know, the guys that showed up with like, you know, business cards, you know, like so-and-so trader, it's like, dude, you're never gonna give your business card to anyone. You have this idea in your mind, like, I want to be like what I picture this, this job being, not because I love the process, right? And I think that for anything, you know, if you come into it with that in mind, like, I just want to, I want to be cool, you know, and, and this, this activity I think is what may, what, you know, makes someone look cool that like any, when it gets hard, like the, just like being cool, isn't going to be worth it. Well, yeah. the
2: trappings, the trappings <clears throat> of anything difficult are what all people gravitate towards when they think about that thing. Right. You know, think about a professional athlete, right? Like. When people see LeBron James, they may see, you know, a blinged-out watch, and they see all this money and and glory. They don't see the 1.5 million free throw shots that guy's shot by himself. You know, right. practicing. They don't, you know, they don't visualize the work and the effort that it took to get there. And it's the same thing like anything else. Special operations in the military. People people see the patch, or they see this movie, or, or video, or something of guys fast roping out of a freaking stealth bomber or whatever, and they're <laughs> like, "That's all it is, man." You know, that's it's just that, and um, you know. But then when the rubber hits the road, they they get the courage to go try it out, and when they see the reality of the situation, they're always the first to leave. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, the other thing is that that impresses me the most is you talk about LeBron James,
2: you know, the
1: fact that the guys done it. You know, I mean, I, he's been doing it for almost 20 years, man. That's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, like, you know, I, it's I, not I a, mean, it's not. A it's flute. one thing to be, you know, good or special for, you know, a year or two or, or even three, but 20, you know what I mean? Like, it's amazing. And so, yeah, that's where I really get the most impressed.
0: Yeah. Well, so going back to the kind of the, the trading floor there, um, you know, one of the things I think that is a... Uh, you know is a big topic for our listeners just in general is that of essentially like risk mitigation risk management risk tolerance etc um especially in in the face of you know uncalm situations right and so um you know one of the things that i i always really respected from you is the fact that as intense as you were on the trading floor um and as upset as you might get sometimes, it was always at other people's bullshit, and it was never like lashing out you know due to something bad happening to you, and I'm like deflecting it, blaming it on someone else you know like if there was if there was an upset reaction, it was because you know someone else was was legitimately doing something that was wrong. Um, not this bad thing's happening to me and I'm going to find someone else to blame it on. So I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit more. Um, and you know, I know, you know, last time we talked about how you had kind of the advantage of coming up under, uh, you know, David Nelly. And so you were able to do, you were able to start trading with someone else kind of managing the risk. Um, but as that as that changed you know as as it became you know whenever it became kind of your book and whatnot um you know how did you handle the stress of things going sideways and dealing with you know staying calm making the decisions in the moment knowing what decisions to make
1: well i mean <laughs> i worked for a company so um i, I had other people that i could discuss um, sort of uh, positions with, but then you kind of figure out right after short order that they don't have any great ideas either, you know. Right. And um, you know, I think there's two kinds of questions. You know, you have sort of the, uh, uh, you know, more of a of, of a bigger term. You know, you're, you have a bad position on, or you have a position that's losing money. And whenever I don't know, whenever you have a position losing money, you know what? how to get out of the position. The only reason you don't is it costs you so much money to get out. You're just hoping that um, something changes and, and you, circumstances change and your position isn't working out. Um, or you have what we were talking about the other day or last time, which was a a much more sort of crucial, you know, tough decision to make about an immediate hedge to a position when something's going wrong in the moment. And that at that point, you really don't have anybody else to, to talk to about it. I mean, you have to just make the decision. And, you know, you're asking me, you know, how do you know? What do you know? It, you know, one of the things that, that I sort of alluded to last time, and I and I thought a little bit about it, it it's when the nature of the job changes. It's when the nature that, in other words, I'm there for one purpose. Now, my purpose to be there was to scalp options. I mean, to try to buy options and sell options and make the margin in between. And I get stuck with some stuff in the middle, which ends up being my position. And, uh, now that position can work for you or can work against you in this instance, it was working horribly against us. And, um, at what point do I stop being, you know, by virtue of the fact that I'm out of the pit and I'm dealing with this, I'm not, I'm no longer an options. I'm not, I'm longer a scalper. Now I'm just a punter, you know, I got this, you know, and, and, I'm not. And that's what I was telling you before. I'm not there to punt futures. You know, I'm there to scalp options. So that's when I just. That's how I made the decision. It's like I get back in there and trade. I can't trade this all i here, staring at this at this this position.
0: Sure. Well, right? but even what you said before, in terms of, you know, saying, "Hey, I've got this position and it's not really working out," and I'm like, I'm hoping that it turns around, right? <laughs> so I mean, where do you where, yeah, do, you, how, where do, you, do you draw that line? How do you
2: <laughs> defeat the sunk cost fallacy? You know.
1: Well, at, on a personal level, I rarely flip the position. You know, in other words, usually, um, just because you know, unless something was happening that was so dramatic, Aaron, like and your, when your position is bleeding, you're losing a little bit every day. Um, that's a little bit different than the world blowing up and flipping your position like that's,
2: sure. That I mean, you can. I, that's, what does that so, mean for the layman? Flipping your position. <sighs>
1: I, I don't want to, you know, I was hoping not to get into the real technical thing, but basically if you're, if you're short, um, you're short something and th- and, and it's going up and you know, it's one thing when you're short something and it goes Let's, up.
0: Let me just interject for a second. Um, you know, to, to make it super simple for people that are listening. Um, you know, I think the, the super classic, like layman ideas, you know, you like buy a stock and you hope it goes up and then you sell it and you make money. Um, and that's called, that's being long the position. And that's being, right. long, being long is owning something. Um, but, you know, when you're, tr- you know, professional traders can do that in reverse, sell stuff before they buy it. Um, yeah, and, it's
1: a, and, and a stock is really <clears> hard, you know, because, you know, stocks don't trade every penny where they're going. In other words, a stock doesn't go from, you know, at $5 to, Hundred dollars usually trading every penny all the way up. I mean, usually it's going to go, it's going to, you know, there's some guys who know what's going on. It's go from five to, you know, five and, you know, and trickle up. And then, you know, maybe, and then all of a sudden one day it's going to go from like 40 to 80, you know, because there's some, there's some news release, you know, right. and, and on the way down, it's kind of, it's even worse. On the way down, things tend to go. It, th- things tend to stop trading, bad news is released, and then they just get creamed. The
0: options world's not like that. I mean, that. there's a there's a big gap.
1: There's a big right. gap. But, I mean, the options world's not, it pretty much trades, you know, every tick of vol all the way up. You know what I mean? Like, there are plenty of chances
0: to hop on, hop off. You know? Sure, but it's also, it happens very quickly. Um,
1: it does, but you can definitely see that when the trades leave the station, you know, and,
0: and anyway. Well, so. I, I, sorry, I didn't, so flipping a position uh-huh. means
1: going
2: short that position or yeah, long you know, that position? In other words,
1: so you think about it, let's say you're long a stock, and we'll just do it in reverse. And, and, and let's say you, your average cost into a stock is, say, 50 bucks you know, a share. And then all of a sudden you come in and it's trading 49 and a half. Like, that's not so bad. It's trading 49, you know, 48 and a half, 48. You know. But if things start to drop fast and you go like, man, this is really bad. You know, like it's like I'm out. Like I'm done. Not only am I done, like I'm flipping it. I'm gonna get short the stock, you know? Right. Which is a lot harder doing a stock. So that's what boss. you mean by flipping,
2: I get it. Yeah, now. flipping. So it, you're so you're so, you're, so you're, wrong. Yeah, you're not you're not <laughs> you're, you're so take the exact, exact side. Well,
1: that's what you have to do in the training game. It's like you're not just getting out, like you get you're flipping it. You know, you're gonna you're gonna Yeah, it's it's a painful thing to do. You're <laughs> saying you
0: you don't like to do, like that was not your style. My
1: style wasn't necessarily um, yeah, the puka position mm-hmm. you know I pretty much traded it, just kept on trading i mean right. I kept on just kept on trading it and, and what that means is I kept on buying and selling um, and I might cut my vault, but I definitely didn't like you know the chances of me flipping it unless i thought um yeah no i you know i i was that
0: because you just had conviction and in, in the I position think I was in good
1: markets you know where you could make enough trading to. You know, cover mistakes, right? Cover you know, that loss. I think
0: so a little bit,
1: and and honestly, you know, when you train in single stocks, you know, you don't have that much opportunity to do that. Right. You know, and you know, I was brought up believing in the bid ask spreader, and then I had to get somebody to come in. To, I shouldn't say I didn't flip it. I didn't use a broker to flip it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I didn't go to a third party to to canvass the market and dump the position for me. I waited for that trade to happen in the pit sure you know yeah I, that's probably the better way to put it i would flip a position but the world saw me well i mean <laughs> the other eight guys in the pit
0: saw me do it. you know <laughs> but, what i mean like i didn't, sure. you know like they they, they yeah I, I, I didn't yeah i never well, used a to broker to, so. so kind of continuing on that that thing um we we touched on this a little bit last time as well but you know one of the things that i think um well at least i feel like i saw um a number of times was that people hit kind of a mental limit of how much risk they were willing to accept. Um, You know, if I'm willing to trade this thing for, you know, a hundred units, like maybe I can, maybe I'm willing to trade it for 250, but like if I get to a thousand, I get really uncomfortable and I either start to make really bad decisions or I'm just totally unwilling to go there. Um, You know, and obviously the, the most successful guys are the guys that are able to continue to scale that and, you know, essentially stay within the same mindset regardless of the the value denomination of the stakes that are on the table. You know, like I have this position on whether I have it for 10 or I have it for 10 million. Like a, like a like,
2: professional athlete that's like whether it's a knock-around game or it's the last putt at the Masters, you know, it's like they still can make the putt.
0: Right. So, you know, what... What is it that allows people to to scale mentally into that that volume of risk without without shutting down?
1: Well, um, that's an interesting question because I think that a lot of – there's been so many guys along the way who um, weren't sensitive enough to the illiquidity of the product they were trading and tried to step up their game and then – you have to be really lucky, Aaron. I mean, you have to be in a, you have to realize that you're in a market that can support the liquidity. In other words, you can't be bigger than the market. Sure. And, um, otherwise you don't have an out, you know? So what you're referring to is, is in those, like when I was training Tyco and training these names that had more liquidity and was able to be a bigger presence in the market, um, it was just, being fortunate enough to realize that I was in a market that could support it,
0: True. Sure. and I could get out. But even in those bigger markets, I mean, you you would see guys that were kind of like, "Man, I just want to kind of show up every day." And you know, well, some of that, and- some
1: of that was um, <laughs> the firm they work for had certain risk parameters; they wouldn't let the guys, um, you know, breach those parameters. So um, you have to be in the right. Yeah, you have to. Have, you have to have
0: a backer who's willing to let sure. bear, um trade a little bigger. But do you think that there is like, there were people that had those kind of mental constraints then? Or? Oh, no, I think
1: there are plenty of guys so you're right, who, yeah, it's just not, I mean, yeah, there were plenty of them. I mean, particularly, I think back to when I was in London, and it was nuts, so it, you know, I mean, how guys would move over there and then not realize how good the market was. Right, you know, and and realize they could have traded three or four times as big or ten times as big, and just so not having no. What do you think and, was
0: holding them back?
1: I I just think it was cultural in the sense that that the group they worked that backed them, um, and and then probably you know, and and not feeling that they were you know had been schooled in an environment to allow them to to do that, not realizing that. The, you know the R group was standing right next to him, and we had the same position that they did, and and they saw us get out just like they did. You know what I mean? And, right. And almost they, like
0: an artificial mental constraint. Almost, maybe. Right. Yeah. There's definitely some of that. But you, and you never felt that yourself.
1: Um. Well, yeah. Like like I said, I was I was lucky to start trading in a pit that was that was very liquid and had a very experienced guy holding my hand and we we're trading the same book right you know so any trade i did he did every trade he did it you know and you know when you're on a team like that and all of a sudden you know i think a hundred lots a big trade and i do a hundred lot and i look over he does 500 of them now i got 500 to sell you know <laughs> or, right. or you know what i mean i just my time, kind of forced, my, my, my size just got you. forced a lot bigger because i wanted to be the guy to get us out Right. You know, and, and, yeah, it's a great way to learn, you know, because, uh, yeah, I mean, th- we had all kinds of successful guys um co- go through that pit
0: and uh enjoy really nice careers. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that, I mean, sitting here, it sounds to me almost like, uh and I don't want to totally put words in your mouth, but… um you know it sounds very similar to what you were talking about as far as being in the bow crew you know like i want to i want to come i want to perform you know as part of this team and don't want to be the guy that's kind of like not not working hard um you know or not not kind of up to up to snuff well yeah um, i mean to be clear
1: like if 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 the out came for that trade that we had on and it happened right because the pit was pretty big that pit was big. I mean there must have been I don't know 7,500 guys standing in that pit and um and probably twenty brokers, you know, uh maybe fifteen brokers. And uh so you couldn't get to the whole pit. I mean you could only know, you had sort of areas that you you were that were accessible to you. So if David did a trade and then the out came on my side of the pit and I missed a trade cause I wasn't paying attention or I was a hundred up, like you know, I would have probably been looking for a job in pretty short or I could, it was pretty clear. I mean, I'm sure that happened probably, you know, at, at, right when I first started trading and, and all of a and sudden he pulled me aside. It's like, dude, like what are you doing? Right. You know, we got on a thousand of those. That guy can you know, like, well, what were you thinking? You yeah. know, why'd you do a hundred? I'm sure, I'm sure something like that probably happened, but, in my recollection it was just the, i it was my responsibility
0: sure you know no that makes sense well <clears throat> so kind of shipping shipping back to kind of the athletic side you know now that you are working out by yourself i mean like how do you well i'm saying you're not part of a like a prof, you know essentially like professional team right like right. um you Know what do you do to keep it interesting? What do you do to kind of keep yourself motivated? It's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, we, we,
1: we just moved and and uh, we actually um put in a workout room, it's really nice and it's got like um, you got some like big mirrors and stuff. And uh, so I have this uh, we have a, several rowing machines because everybody in my family, uh, with the exception of my son, one of my sons has rode, and uh, and then I have like this spinning bike that I bought I don't know 12 15. 12, 13 years ago. And, uh, you know, it's perfectly fine. I mean, it's, 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 I, I wrote it yesterday. It's great. Right. So, um, Meg, my wife, she, all of a sudden we, we went to go visit one of our sons in San Francisco. Um, he just graduated from college and moved out there. And, uh, we literally chose a hotel because they had Peloton bikes, in know, and we'd never been on a Peloton. So we're like, we got to check this thing out. And, uh, so now that this is huge, like some of my, I was like, I like it. You know, my wife loves it. And, uh, and we're like, okay, we're going to get a Peloton bite. Well, my kids are going nuts. Like what? My, my son in California, San Francisco said, I tell you what, mom, every time you get on the Peloton bite, you can just FaceTime me. And I'll <laughs> cheer for you. <laughs> but, um, it's been really fun. Um, but for me, I. What you know? It's great. I like, I I liked the Peloton because I could race, a, a workout that's already happened. I was really proud of myself. I was like, you know, top like half percent. You know, so so you get the, the you have like a fifty minute ride, and or forty five minute ride, and uh, there's like eight ten thousand people have done it. You know, I want to be in the top one percent. You know what I mean? And I'm not listening to the instructor. I don't even have the volume on. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm like, how hard can I go for, how much, you know, work can I generate, you know, in that period of time? So I, you know, that sort of feedback is great for me, you know, and. It sounds like that intensity is still there. Yeah, but it's, you know, it is, but.
2: The mind is willing, but the bones are I mean, you know,
1: yeah, I. That's the thing I liked about the Peloton. I feel like I like okay now I could you know I can continue to do the same. I could ride the same workout I just did, like kind of in perpetuity, and see how high can how, how can I climb on that list? How how much power can I do? How well I know one thing will happen. I'm going to learn more about how the how to game the
2: bike. Right, you know so. It's like an um, old arcade machine. It is. It is
1: exactly. It's the same thing. <laughs> right it, you know what? It's really funny. It's it's exactly like, for me, it's exactly like that. Just racing myself, you know, how, how, but you need to have a machine. Well, I can't really go out and run on the road for really well anymore <laughs> or have the desire to do that, you know. Um, but here's something that's pretty low impact. And, uh, um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of feedback. Yeah. And,
0: uh, yeah, I like that. All right. Well, but speaking of the intensity, we're getting I mean, the bike. You mentioned, <laughs> you should, man. We we have one on one at home. I, I love it. Yeah, uh, um, Peloton at home. Yeah,
2: it's um, amazing, man. Have you tried it? No, my wife keeps talking about it.
1: I, I'm, tell, I mean, I'm a fan. I'm a, it's it's and it's cheaper to buy the bike to stay in that hotel. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I'm I'm a big fan so far. Um, you know, I think it it's just it keeps it interesting. You know, a, I, the feedback's I, just terrific. I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you can address this. Maybe just maybe it's just the fact that I'm a I'm a fucking pussy. But um, the idea of like sitting down on the rower, you know, and just going for like an hour is is boring. I understand. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> um, I
1: told you it's the loneliest place on the planet. Right? I mean,
0: there's no doubt. Uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, that type of thing. Over and over. I mean, aside from the the work, right? Um, the mental aspect of like, man, I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna stare at this. Like, yeah, a well, friend
1: I, a friend of mine just uh, just is, is in the process of starting a business that is a like it's um, it has sort of the 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 group uh, interactive feedback that you get with a Peloton on a
0: rowing machine. I've seen the ads pretty for interesting, Pretty what's interesting. It, what's it called? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think it's like a Kickstarter thing right now or something. Yeah, they're just Um,
1: starting. I mean, I was talking to them, um, I don't know, a month ago. Uh, It was pretty cool. Um, And I haven't tried it yet. actually, I mean, they're still in the prototype phase. I mean, um, so I'm interested to see how that goes. I mean, because you're absolutely right. I mean, the the rowing machine, the nice thing about the bike is it's not, like, too hard. You know? Um, Not to say that you can't wreck yourself on the the bike. You can't, for sure. You know? In fact we were in San Francisco. One of my sons came, to, or my son came to the hotel and uh, they had two bikes. So he, he asked, he kind of kicked my wife off the bike and we're never going to race each other. You right. know, so we had like the same video going. We got both of our <laughs> scores going and we raced for like 45 minutes. At the end of the thing, it, I literally, I got off the bike and it took me probably, um, I beat him, but I'm. it's not really fair because I'm heavier. Uh, and, and he's Why really, is that he's not fair? Really well, I mean, I, you know, I weigh like, you know, just under 220 and he weighs 155, you know, it's like, it's not, I could never beat him on the road, Aaron. I mean, there's no way I'm getting down that road at, you know, 220 pounds and he weighs 155, I'll see his back all day long. Right. But on the machine, you know, I have an advantage. In fact, he, he's like, I'm never doing one of these, he's not weight adjusted again. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really fun, you know, and um, anyway. Yeah. So. So you're going to get one? I yeah I think I'm going to get one. But what I was saying is that the rowing machine's hard because um it's a lot easier to do in a group. Like you know like when you're on the team and there's sure you know 20 guys rowing the machines next or 20 uh, athletes rowing next to each other it's a lot more fun. Well, it's right. also
2: like there's a spatial thing for me. Like when I'm on a rower you're moving back and forth and your whole body's working. Whereas when you're on a bike, your legs are working, but your head and your shoulders and your upper body is stationary. And so it's easier to look around and to have like these kind of mental reference points. If you're looking at a Peloton machine, it's easier to get into that. Whereas if you did a Peloton rower thing, right? And there's a screen in front of you with like water, someone else rowing, you're not going to be looking at that the whole time because you're in and out of focus. It takes a lot of mental energy,
0: they did. need the VR version, man. Oh, yeah, Put on the, the VR goggles. Uh, yeah, I know.
2: But that, I, I, you know, and and also as the intensity raises, it's really hard for me to pay attention. Like you're talking about, I just turn the sound off and go and try to beat it. I remember the first time I ever went to a gym and I saw people on a treadmill like reading a book. Right. I was like, <laughs> Do you know how I know you're not going fast enough on the treadmill? Is <laughs> yeah. if you can like read a novel while you're doing. That. Well, that's why I, that's right. why I
1: always tell people like, if you can if you can have a conversation, you're not working out. Yeah. Like if you can sit there and talk to somebody, you're just not going hard. Enough. Active because like I'm working out, like I don't want to talk to anybody. Like just leave me alone. <laughs> right. let you know, you know when I'm done, I'll turn the music off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel that your intensity has changed? I mean, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned, you know, that being younger in the boathouse, like you had this level of intensity. Um, I think, uh, I mean, just as a person, I think you you have been a fairly intense person. I don't know, Brian. Brian did I tell the story in the last podcast of the the elevator? No. Did I tell the story? <laughs> is it gonna be? Is it gonna be embarrassing? Uh, go ahead. All right. So, <clears throat> back in Chicago, we worked on the 56th floor of uh, the building next to the Sears Tower, and to get to our office, you had to take an elevator to like the sky lobby where then you transferred to like the next bank of it. You know, it was like high enough up that the, I guess they didn't make elevators that went that high. Um, yeah, and off the peasant elevator and onto <laughs> the-, onto the <laughs> It was still the peasant elevator. Um, but you just, you had to like transfer. It was the express, like, it yeah. was the express. Boom. So, yeah. yeah, it took you up to like the 37th floor or whatever, which was like the next bank of elevators. And uh, we're in the elevator, and basically the elevator's like pretty packed. And doors are about to close, and this guy comes running. You know, like sticks his hand in. Doors open, gets in, and correct. Correct me if I'm remembering this story incorrectly, but uh, man, the doors close, and the 45 second ride up is just Raul giving this guy like reading him the fucking riot act. About <laughs> all I said, <laughs> <had> was, so-
1: <laughs> all I said was, "Man, you're so lucky." Because the next one of these wasn't coming for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you no. Know, like, I was like, and then I was like, sort of what's wrong with you, man? How
2: selfish. Like A couple things drive me, that drives me crazy. You know, right. like, it's like, I'm willing to sacrifice all of
0: your time. Yeah, for mine. For my, mean, sure. for my but, three seconds. But most people, you know? like, from like a social norm standpoint, right? Like, most people yeah. would, everyone in that elevator was feeling that. Yeah, you, right. You were the only one that was. I was probably to say. taller than on the, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it was that guy
1: was. Generally, hey, he was, older, he was a little older than us. Yeah, and he uh, yeah. didn't say shit, man. No, well, no. He was I mean, what asshole. was he going to say? Uh, right? That was just a rude thing to do. And and you know, the other thing that drives me crazy, or you know, uh, do, when you're on an airplane, do you like? tilt the seat back no I am, because i'm, I'm not
0: 100%, a yeah. person I mean, I'm, I'm anti never, seat reclining
1: i am so i don't even know why they're allowed to recline those seats it's I mean, a like, bullshit it drives move, man. me crazy like one thing's for sure the person who reclines is not any more comfortable but the person behind them
2: a lot less comfortable yeah. it's yeah. like
1: the worst i don't know it's, it's literally me,
2: it's re- and, and it's a self perpetuating thing cuz the yeah. only way to gain back the space is it's to a, then be a yeah. dick and recline your seat yeah, i hate that yep. I, man yeah. if you have
0: your laptop open too it's like Oh yeah. You Not, your forgetting. screens are like a fucking forty five degree yeah, angle. You can't you can't see anything. It's terrible. Nah, it's yeah. There was uh there was a guy that made these clips that you like attached to the seat your tray and it prevented the seat from nice. reclining. And people were getting in fights on, yeah, yeah, on airplanes. You know, it was like dudes are installing them and guys are trying to recline and everyone was arguing. Um the problem well the that, thing about it, it's the battle
2: but, of an asshole, right? The sort of person that reclines is going to be super angry if they can't, and the sort of person that freaking is going to bring something on board an aircraft to prevent them. Yeah, but gonna, uh, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know
1: how the whole the whole timing thing works because there's no way when that you know seatbelt light comes off or the well, the point where you can actually recline, you can get your tray down and install that thing. I don't even fat, think I don't think you re- had
0: to get your tray down. It was like it oh it, clips it attached to, to like the legs of the tray or something nice. on the side. You yeah. know, my so, big
1: trick on that too is if the guy if the person in front of you leans forward. Generally, probably ninety percent of the time, you can just push the seat back up to vertical, and they don't even know. I swear <laughs> to God, like you do, I gotta I tell you, you do that, and almost eighty percent of the time, the
2: person doesn't even recline at it. Never doesn't even realize. That's how stupid the whole thing is. Right. Somebody <laughs> got angry on the plane. I was flying with my daughter. She was super young, you know, two or three, and they reclined back, and of course, it's just in the range of her little feet to kick. Yeah. Upright, out of range, back. In Good for her. Tell and her. Eleanor's like kicking the hell out of the seat. And I'm absolutely not going to stop her. I was like, you know yeah, what?
0: Encourage you. Keep going. Right? Proceed. With <laughs> the did the person say anything?
2: They gave me like the look when we're take, standing up. You know, they turned, the first thing they did was turn around and see who was back there. Yeah. And the, the cause of their ire of the hour and a half long flight was a two year old child. Right. But <laughs> they're, they didn't have the the mental fortitude to. Unwind, So they were still angry. So they had to glare at me for not like,
0: all right, keep glaring. <laughs> Pro- proceed. Right. Um, but I mean, do you feel that that intensity has, has, you know, are, are we all getting calmer as we age? Well, I think that's definitely right? Yeah. I mean, a
1: little bit. You know, I, I what I was saying before you're, you, you is I don't think I have the, uh, I think it would take a lot for me to get even if I don't know if I could get that sort of just intensity level, you know, going twice a day. Mm-hmm. Every day. You know what I mean? Like and But is know, that, is if, that if, a if, physical
0: if or mental barrier right now? Well, I think it's
1: both. I, I I mean, for me really it's just I mean, I have all the opportunities. I mean, where we live, there's a club there and there's a strong group of masters rowers and I could go participate with them. Um, I choose to kind of do it on my own at home. Uh, my wife and uh why is that i don't know you know i kind of don't really want
2: well what are you trying to I prove right like right. At, the, at the end of the day like when well, it was comes it to that proving low
1: thing? for me for me it, i always tell people like the race was 30 years ago yeah. you know what i mean like for me and right. uh and i like working out. And i like being fit i just
0: don't know if i want to go to that next level right because it's uh you know it's a lot yeah you know all right, so this is more than just guys getting together to to exercise. I think with the right, you know, if it, it, you know, certainly if
1: if the quality of rowing was good enough and the group of guys was, you know, the right guys, I think I'd do it. But um, it's just not really that. Um, it's just I, I mean, I like to. I mean, I, I probably during you know, some time I row about four times a week and um, and try to be fit. Yeah. You know? But I'm not as fit as I could be.
0: What else are you doing to exercise?
1: Pretty much that in a stationary bike.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Gotta get you on one of these softly programs, man. Yeah. Build out this right. this home gym.
2: You're right. <clears throat> yeah, he's gonna come on so, here and out deadlift us all in the next podcast. Happen, what man. the son of a bitch. Right. That's not happening.
1: <laughs>
0: Do you miss uh the trading world at
1: all? No. You know, I don't really even follow it. Um like I couldn't tell you right now, you know, what implied volatility is trading. Um I'm just not that curious about it. I'm actually more interested in commodities, you know, right now. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, Well, you know, commodities are like, I I think it's fascinating that um, you look at crude oil in particular and commodities are generally a really good uh, indicator of inflation and where things are going. I think we're in an interesting time with uh, interest rates and, you know, I, I really thought interest rates were going to start going higher, and was kind of um, really sure of that. And uh, and then you look what happened to the commodities, the crude market, and the commodities in the last you know, three weeks, and um, this just telling you that um, the economy is taking a breather, and um, inflation isn't as the, co- the economy is probably not as robust as people thought it was, and inflation's not as big a fear. Yeah, so interest rates are probably less likely to go much higher.
0: So I mean, you're still kind of interested in it on a macro level. On a macro level, yeah. <laughs> Just not yeah, the, but I'm not interested in watching the tape,
1: you know. <laughs> sure,
0: that makes sense. I mean, do you trade it all? Do you no. have like a per, no personal account no. kind of sling things? Around? I don't have time to watch People. it, Aaron, and you have to watch that all the time.
1: Like, yeah, uh, and no. I, and I, and I, I'm not in. I'm much more interested in doing smaller um, investments that. Um, That are more passive, and as opposed to, um, you know, buying some esoteric, you know, option. I think
0: no more frozen orange juice concentrate (laughs) 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 futures. Well, I I also think, I mean, once you've done it at that level, I think it's very hard to do to do it at at any other level. You know, to be like, oh, I'm just going to pick this one trade and kind of put it on. It's
1: impossible, right? I mean, it's two different skills.
0: Yeah, I also think that in general it's hard to – it's just hard to do it halfway. Um, I met this uh, – man, it's always – well, I'm going to sound like a dick now, but it's always doctors that ask me this question. I meet a fucking doctor, like, you know, some some barbecue cookout thing. And, uh, yeah, the last one was this uh, this cardiologist or anesthesiologist at UNC. What to do
2: with my satchels of money, sir? <laughs> yeah,
0: he was like uh, – He's like, hey man, you know, like, if if I like if I paid you a little bit, like, would you come over to my house and on like a Saturday afternoon, like, teach me how to trade options? It's like, man, I'm like I'm like offended by this question on like four levels right now, <laughs> you know, like, like one, what does that even mean if I paid you a little bit, you know, like, like I, I, I don't know the the entering the whole thing like that, you know, like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll throw a couple hundred bucks your way is uh, the the idea of it coming from from him, like of just kind of, hey, this is like a a, a throw around lunch money thing for me. Um, yeah, me I think it's pretty it's, funny
1: when you think about it. You know, here's a guy who studied, you know, four years of medical school, you know, did a four or five year residency. Yeah, you know, to learn his trade, to learn his trade, and he's like, I'm so friggin' smart. Come over and I'm like, I'll, I'll figure out what you learned in a couple
0: hours. That's what I'm saying, right? In like four hours. That's what I, I was like. Fine. You should have taken this money. I'm like, dude, could you, if you the next Saturday afternoon could you teach me how to be an anesthesiologist? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks for it. Like, you just kind of looked at me like I was a fucking asshole for saying that. You did um, say that? Yeah, of Good course, man. I mean, the whole thing is like I don't, you know, I don't, yeah, well, like, you
2: ask him, like, how long does it take you to complete open heart surgery? It's like, what about eight hours? It's like, okay, it's even swap, I'll give you eight hours of training for the next open heart surgery. I need, yeah, house. I mean, it's Wait like,
0: I don't know, it's like, you know, someone being like, hey, like, hey, Brian, can you teach me how to be like a, you know, uh, you know, shoot like a Green Beret? It's like part of part of it's, like, I'm like, dude, look, I don't even know what this question means, right? Like, yeah. um,
2: no, it, well, I I, it, it happens, I mean, it happens constantly with photography, it's like, if you take great photos and you show them to people, they're like, man, what kind of camera do you have so I can buy it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I've got just the camera, man. They're like, man, that mm-hmm. must be an amazing camera you've got. How much did it cost? It's like, is that what you say? Like, if you
0: see a painting, you're like, dude, show me them brushes. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: That's awesome. You know. Yeah, Come totally,
0: on. man. I mean, I, you know, yeah, my feeling in at that, in that was kind of, hey, man, I can, you know, I can teach you how to like fucking lob some trades out into the market, but, um, S and P 500 you
2: know, so. index funds, buy and hold to your dead.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. There you go, that'll be $400. Done. Have a great rest of your Saturday afternoon. Um, well, I
1: think that, you know, I mean, the real answer to that question is, I think is what you did, Aaron, and what this gentleman is looking for, are two different things, you know? And I think sure all he's hoping to learn are some strategy, you know, I hope, Sure. You know, but to think that he can sit there and become a, a you know, a volatility scalper, you right. know, after a couple hours is kind of silly.
0: Yeah, uh, even the strategy part of it, I think that... I, I mean, mean it you can explain up. to him, you know, like covered calls or, you know, I mean, simple stuff, right? But, or just, I mean, yeah. you there start talking about synthetics and, you know. Yeah, I I mean... I. I yeah, I don't I maybe I shouldn't have been quite as uh, no snippy it's nice. snippy in my response. Now I think there's
1: a lot more going on with Aaron. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. You raised the allure. How right. dare you ask for my secret sauce? Sir.
0: Right. <laughs> the I price could is share it. It. Uh, yeah, exactly right. unmarked non-consecutive bills. Yeah, I need like a website and an infomercial. To learn how to trade. What was it uh, Channelingstocks.com. dot com. Like buy low, sell high, again and again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I know All Street Secrets. Exactly. Yeah. Wall com. I think uh actually, did you see the place that that just blew up? Optionsellers.com. No. Dude, this is a crazy awesome story. So first of all, you should watch the video of the apology that this guy issues to his I don't even know, shareholders or investors. Um this guy had a business called optionsellers.com and- What did he, he sell?
1: Options? <laughs> <laughs> he took a minimum of
0: $250,000 investments and all he did was fucking sell premium equities, commodities, anything. Well, it's been a great trade and, for 10 years, Aaron. I mean, to be clear,
1: like, <clears throat> I mean, seriously, if you started selling options in, you'd be retired. If you started selling options in 08, 09,
2: you know, well, everybody's genius vol- in the ultra bull market too,
1: right? But I mean, uh, volatility just continued to creep lower and lower and lower and lower and lower
0: up until this year. We had a few, but we didn't have craziness, man. I mean, no, cool. he got buried on nat- natural gas having kind of like a small little breakout, you know. So and being short some some options, but. uh <laughs> <laughs> so I just feel like the whole thing was like, this is the same thing as the, it's a shame. The naive, I was, I was the naive the, dentist. That, that's,
1: that's when you want to look at the guy and say, I'm here for
2: you, buddy. Right. Anytime I hear about that, I think about that scene in the movie boiler room. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Movie? I have. Where he's like, he's cold calling some doctor who's like, pulls himself into the break room. It's like, well, we can only sell you 20,000 chairs. I'm sorry. That's my limit. What? Wait, why can you only sell me 20,000? <laughs> right?
0: I'm like, okay. Totally, man. I mean, well, yeah, I just, I, that type of stuff sometimes makes me, makes me, like, gives me a little bit of the itch, but uh, I well,
1: think. What, 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 it hurt,
0: what bothers me
1: is, like, you know, the audacity of somebody to think that they got the secret sauce because they're going to sell premium. Right. And that's just like. Free money, man. That's been there forever. It's free you know? money. It's always there. You know, you can always sell that. I mean, and and. It's just you're selling lottery tickets, you know? And yeah,
0: you know, eventually one of them is going to fucking someone else wins the lottery. (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. But yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I guess maybe part of the question I'm asking is is there a for, you know, for rowing or, you know, like trading? Like, is there a part of you that, like, it longs for the kind of excitement, um, you know, of the, of those days. And, and if so, you know, how are you replacing it? Uh,
1: I mean, yes. I guess you
0: somebody, if, do you wish you were younger? <laughs> well, <laughs> <I remember.
1: laughs> yeah. You know, um, as far as, um, you know, the, the, the tr- trading, the volatility training that we did um, doesn't really exist like it did back, you know, no, no, it, I mean, it's pretty much, it's pretty much gone. And, um, and it was awesome. And it was, it was, a um, but there's just, there's not as much trading. It's not as robust as it was and certainly a lot fewer participants. And, um, I mean, it'll come back at some point, but not in the same sort of capacity that it was, um, you know, before all all the automation that you have today. And, um, it's like, do you miss something that doesn't exist anymore? Well, you know, doesn't exist anymore. I'm not saying,
0: You know, it's like sure. You know but, what I mean? I mean, what are you doing to kind of keep things
1: well, I mean work. I, I, I enjoy what I'm doing work wise now. Right. And um it's certainly interesting. And uh it's been uh, it's been good. So I'm pretty happy with that. And uh yeah I mean I, I the thing I, I, I've always said is that I find it's really interesting. You know what? Thanksgiving was just a week ago, and um, and I know I'm getting old because I say stuff like, "Man, Thanksgiving, you keep on getting better every year." You know, <laughs> when I was younger, people used to say stuff like that. I'd be like, "What are you kidding me?" It's like, turkey's <laughs> like turkey. Like, you know, like, to me, it was, like, it was the same as Christmas, same menu, same people. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, there wasn't a huge, but now as I've gotten older and my, some of my kids have moved away, and now they come back home for, for the holidays, um, it's really awesome just to you know, sit around with, you know, young kids are great, adult kids are better, you know, and it's just a better conversation, more fun, and uh, so it keeps getting a little bit bad. I mean, I'm going to know I'm really old when it's like, Thanksgiving starts getting worse. <laughs> you're like you're this, over the, the Thanksgiving you know, hill. You know, that, that means that you're not getting your band back together. You're well, on the that's, road.
2: That's when you start getting a bingo predilection. <laughs> exactly.
1: right. You know, yeah, it's going to be a sad day when Thanksgiving gets worse. But. I used to be a player on the Wall Street right. E7. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. but um, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, you get different interests. Um, I, Yeah. You just have different interests, you know. Um and uh but yeah, I mean d- yeah, it was great, like being the best, you know, one of the best at something, you know, in our country or in the world even and um and being competitive and yeah, it was great. But you know, you just I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that forever, you know. Yeah,
0: well so how do you how do you how do you become okay with letting that go and not you know? Well, I think live, you know it's a, a series blurbiness. of steps, right?
1: I mean, you know, like um you know, your interest changes as you as you get older and and you get I could see well I guess I, I guess where you're going with the foreign military, that might be a much dip much more difficult step. I mean, for me, you know, I stopped roaming, I started working, and in short order, my work got awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't thinking about rowing much at all, except when I was on the erg at Cannon Gym and you know, Willie asked me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> do I Called miss you out? It? And I was like, yeah, at that point I was like, man, I wish, yeah, I missed doing it with the guys on the water. And yeah, I missed that. Yeah. Um, But that, you know, and I, but I was pretty much sure like the second I, I took my last stroke that that window would, I would never get to row in a boat that row like that again. And you were okay with that? It just was, I, I mean, I, I did, I wasn't willing to pay the price to do it, Aaron. I mean, I could have, right. I could have, you know, signed up for another four years and, right. um, but man, it's just, that's brutal. You know, like, you know, we can sit here and talk about, but when you really go out there and it's not just some meme, you know, and, yeah. and it's like, you're really just wrecking yourself, like wrecking you, like, like get on that Peloton and how much, you know, output could you produce in that four and then go back the next day and do better yeah. and do it. I mean, I mean, and, and you know, it is no one's reading a book and no one's it's it's like not my wife always like she's always mad at me because I've just this puddle of sweat, you know, underneath me. And uh and uh, you know, and she, she 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 won't listen to this. When she when she works out, it's like it's got a smile on her face. I'm not smiling. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? I'm like it's like how
0: can I go harder? Like if I get the next gear, you know. Right. Well, actually, I mean, a lot of what you're saying, I think echoes in a lot of what uh you know what we hear on guys that are transitioning out of the military, you know like on the one hand, they don't want to leave kind of like this you know this team environment the transition we know it has been like uh you know it's it is a difficult transition for people um you know, on the other hand it's that decision of do I want to sign up for another four years of, you know, this type of schedule or, you know, this type of physical activity, um, you know, in terms of uh, not to, not because the physical activity is difficult, but, you know, the toll that it might take on my body, et cetera. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I don't know. Brian, what your thoughts are as far as the parallels there. But well,
2: I mean, everybody has their stopping point, you know, it, no matter how hard you've worked and it's much longer for others. You know, we talked with Alan Shibaro. Who, he's a – He's the highest ranked white Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's a friend of ours. And I asked him, you know, he was, he's trying to win the world championship in the master's class. He's, he's just over 40. And I asked him, so when you get the world championship, what's your next goal? Well, retain the world championship. (laughs) Okay. Well, you retain it. What's your next goal? It's like, well, I'm just going to go till my body. Won't anymore. And I think that'll be the stopping point for him is when he doesn't when he feels that he can no longer compete at that level. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that would win it and just be like, all right, I'm going to go open some gyms and trade on this name and kind of I've gotten to the point. And um, but yeah, for for a lot of guys getting out of the military, you know, just they have kids or they have a family and and other things just start to look a lot tastier, you know, as you age yeah. as opposed to just. Doing the single mindset stuff you were doing. Yeah, sure. I, have,
1: I have a friend who uh, was a, won a gold medal in sailing in the Olympics, and I mean, he had I, a great boat.
2: And, you
0: know, <laughs> sailing's like that's that, that a actually. Joke.
1: That's a no, joke. no, but sailing's like that. I mean, they, they, you know, in rowing the boats are they're all it's pretty much the same. Yeah, but sailing, you know, you can enhance your boat. Um, but he's a fantastic sailor for sure, and but he never sailed again. Like, won a gold medal. Well, just, just and and, and like check to me box. that that seems so sad, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, well, it tells me check the, check the box. It just
2: on. tells me that he didn't particularly enjoy sailing. Like the the talented, effort that it took. Talented for you know for sure. And that's that's true for a lot of people. Sometimes, sometimes you sour the you poison the well a little bit. Like the effort that's required to yep. maintain those very very lofty heights, it just ruins the whole thing for you and at the end of it and you're like, well, okay. Well, I'm
1: you done. know, and, and, and in fairness, when I, when I stopped rowing for a little bit, like I didn't really row, you know, I, I, and my life changed so fast, you know, like I went from, you know, I stopped rowing within, you know, certainly within like a year and a half I'm married. And a year after that we have children, you know, sure. and, and things are just going so quickly. And then we're moving back to the U S and, you know, like all this stuff's happening. And, uh, yeah, it definitely took me several years before I uh, really, actually, gosh, I didn't, I probably rode, when we were in Chicago, I probably rode, I don't know, a handful of times when I was yeah. there. And then finally, we moved here, then it was easier. And at that point, I, in my case, I a little bit older, and I bought some boats and stuff, and just, you know, started teaching them how to row. And, sure. And, uh, yeah, but it was more of an East Coast thing, so, right. at the time.
0: Well, I know we got to wrap it up, but I'm going to kind of bring it back to the beginning yeah. We'll put you on the spot a little bit sure. um <clears throat> you know for the people that are out there that are looking to build that intensity you know they're kind of starting maybe not starting from like square one um you know what is what is the the guidance that you have you know what are the 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 wisdom you know little tips that you can drop as far as how do you i know you said you know part of it's just every day but you know how do you go through that one foot in front of each other building to that point of intensity because i think that that's a place that a lot of our the people listening to this are are trying to get to
1: well one of the things to keep in mind is i've i was a you know i was a football player before but you know but what we're talking about right now who really has been my life since i was you know you know 20 mm-hmm. um has been aerobic sports and for me it's been something measurable you know that's why i was talking before about the peloton bike that, that because it's so quantifiable i mean you're on it and you get so much feedback and then it and and i'm just racing myself i want to be a better me i want to bring it a little harder you know today than i did yesterday mm-hmm. and have something measurable definable that i'm trying to beat that at least have a goal mm-hmm. you know and something I, and I believe in, you know, incremental goals that are attainable, you mm-hmm. know, not lofty things that I've never really set, you know, goals that I didn't think were easy to grab and, get, and have a, a subsequent goal after that. So I think that that to me is the, um, I would say, and you have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy challenging yourself.
2: And beating yourself, beating, beating. We talk about that a lot here, the difference between the working out mindset and the training mindset, you know, and what you're describing is the training mindset where it's. Yeah, I've never
1: really just,
2: I've never been one to just go,
1: I'm going to go to the gym and go for a light. Nah, there's no light, you know? <laughs> the only light's the light. I turn off and go to sleep. Well, if you
2: don't... <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's very easy to quit something that you're not working towards. You know, if there's right. no light at the end of the tunnel, it's easy to pull out because you're just spinning your wheels, you're a hamster in a cage or in a, in a wheel. Um, but if you set attainable goals for yourself, you have... Yeah, I you mean... Can, it, you can pat yourself on the back, you know? Like when I used to run...
1: um. I and people thought I was crazy. I always run the same course. I run the same course. I'm gonna better my time. You know, I want to mm-hmm. have something that's quantifiable and just go out there and say, "Okay, I did it in 35 minutes today." And tomorrow, see if I can do better. You know, yeah. and uh, so so it's always been like that for me. Everything is is. I've never done a workout without a watch going. You know, I'm always taking my heart rate. You know, I want to know. You know, I I I just I'm not just it's really hard, and you know, part of that's a total fault, you know, because like a lot of training nowadays <laughs> is uh m- sort of lesser intensity and more aerobic work, and we always were uh, when we were training, because our coach, um, and I think he's awesome, but he wanted us always to do it together. Mm-hmm. there was always this race, even if even if we were in a low rating for a long period of time you're racing somebody else, you know? Right. And then we'd stop, turn, take a little bit of a break and go again. And uh, so you had that competitive element that, um, so your heart rate was always higher than it was supposed to be for the workout, right. you know? But, um, I mean, I can't, I mean, I have this, I had great results. So I'm I'm, I'm thankful to him for that for sure. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm thankful for you coming down and oh, joining us again today, man. It was awesome. We're definitely going to have to do it again.
1: I think the last Thanks. one was more fun. What? <laughs> I think the last one was funnier. Oh, you know, I, I listened to
0: it last night. I was laughing so hard. At, you know, but right. I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad. Hopefully, you'll do another one, and that one won't be even less funny than this one. <laughs> but I've, I've enjoyed this one. <laughs> I so. thought this was Our volatility is going down. <laughs> right? This was great. I really appreciate it. Cool. Thanks well, for having me. Thank you very much. Everyone out there, Mm -hmm. thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week. The Duke boys are back.